Amen. I am really excited about God. I mean, it's just like an ongoing thing. Sometimes we do get a little weary, am I right? Sometimes things hit us, and it's like, I love the word. You know what? Throw that another log on the fire. She's referenced that, and it's like sometimes we've got to stir ourselves up, right? Because the enemy wants to throw those buckets of water on you, and it's like, oh, no, no. You know, sometimes we're waiting for God to do something before we'll do something, but I think God's waiting. He's already done something. He's waiting for us to do something, and, uh, and, and then he'll do something. Amen? Amen. So uh, today we are, let me put my uh, little case up here. We're continuing our series. If you missed last week, we talked about it's our spiritual survival kit. And how many of you know, we've, uh, when you're in an emergency situation, it's good to have a kit that's got the essential supplies that you need in order to make it through. Like if your electricity goes out, how many of you know you need to know where your flashlight is? All right, you need to know if you got a generator, you got to know how to get to it, turn it on. You got to have fuel in it, right? That's kind of important. That's an important thing to have. Uh, last week we talked about, and I got my paper in here, it fell down. Fasting. Fasting. So, uh, and, and if you didn't watch last week, if you weren't here last week, I spoke about seven different types of fast that you can do, seven different focuses. You know, there's breakthrough, there's, there's one that just restore that fire in me. And uh, we need that sometimes, right? Just getting into God's presence. So uh, it is online. You can look at, watch Facebook, YouTube. We do have a podcast now. You can listen to it. But I want to encourage you, if you missed it, go back and listen. If anything, just for those seven, seven reasons, because I believe it'll stir you. You may want to fast for all seven of them, you know, but find something. It's like God wants to bring a breakthrough. Amen. And that is, a, that is an essential in our spiritual survival. Secondly, what we're going to be talking about today is prayer. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know about prayer. I know about that. Uh, listen, I'm not just going to talk about a devotional prayer, which we, we all need to be able to pray. All right, we all need to be able to communicate to God. And I'm not going to give you an outline on how to pray uh, I've taught through that before. Jesus taught, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, which art in heaven. That is kind of an outline of prayer. I'm not going to cover that. I want to talk about a different kind of prayer. Uh, you may call it intercession, but it's not just your casual, kind of convenient kind of prayer, uh, which is important. You know, when you pray and when we declare God's word over a situation, that's important. Am I right? And God answers those kind of prayer. But I want to talk about a prayer that really gets into the presence of God. And it's kind of a warfare. So I want to give you a verse to, to give you some context of what I'm going to be talking about out of Revelations. And, uh, and we know that, you know, John, the disciple, he, uh, he had a revelation. The Holy Spirit showed him these amazing things. And listen, sometimes when you see things like that, when God shows you, you don't understand all of the aspects of it, but it's like there's a picture that God is trying to present. And he did that with John. He goes, and, and he took the scroll. This is in his vision. And the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Uh, each one of them had a harp and they held golden bowls filled with incense, which are what? Okay, so I want you to hang on to that. Incense represents our prayers. And, and I don't know exactly how God does this, but he's indicating that he holds our prayers in these bowls, right? That all of those, God, there's not a wasted prayer that you and I may pray. 
right? Like, like we hear, oh, well, God didn't answer that prayer, right? I prayed and nothing happened. You have no idea. God's collecting those prayers. What's he going to, you know, I pray, and, and, you know, there's different teachings. What does the harp represent? That is not the people that die. We go to heaven, become angels, sit on a cloud and play the harp. Right? That does not happen. These are 24 elders. The harp represents worship. When we begin to worship, we play an instrument. We didn't have any harps up on stage today. We had keyboards. We had guitars. Uh, but that's really what... And, and there's some great teachings out there about you know harp and bowl worship and all of that. Uh, but what I want you to focus on is that those bowls have our prayers in it. And, and it's represented... A picture is through incense. So... I want to back up in the scriptures all the way back to Numbers chapter 16 where there was a plague because of disobedience and rebellion. Uh, God had sent a plague, killed over 14,000 people. But in uh, uh, chapter 16, starting at verse 46, Moses tells Aaron, he says, take your censer, it's a little container, and put incense in it along with fire from the altar and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them watch uh wrath has come from the lord and the plague has started so this incense what does it represent prayer Prayer, right okay so go with me on this he goes in the next verse oh and i didn't change it but anyway so aaron did as moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly he's holding this censer that's got uh incense and it says uh he offered the incense made atonement for them and he stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. So this is a picture of prayer, of running into it with prayer that stopped and that interceded. It says, made atonement. And so they intervened in that situation and stood, I love this, stood between the living and the dead. Plague was coming. It was wiping people out. It came from God, uh, but God used Aaron to go in there and make intercession, holding that. And I want to tell you that in our world today, I think most of you guys will agree, if there was ever a time for God's people to rise up and take their stand, take their calling, take their place of prayer, how many of you know this is the day? All right, this is the day. Let me just say, we look at our world, we look at our culture, uh, we have a culture that is literally putting people into bondage. Our kids are literally being put into bondage, being uh, thrown all of these confusing ideas about their body and what they should do, and, uh, and, and that confusion is, is it's destroying people. Suicides, all of these different things, people being mutilated through uh, all kinds, you know, abortion. We could go on and on. Am I right that our culture, something has happened? Yes. Something has happened. Uh, I want to, you know... You know what countercultural, I got a definition of it, uh, something that is countercultural, it's a culture with values and customs that are very different from and usually opposed to those accepted by those in society. So that's what countercultural is. I want to give you a little history of how culture, what has been countercultural through the last few decades. In the 50s, how many of you know Elvis Presley, Buddy Holly, how many of you know they were countercultural? They're gyrating them hips way too much, right? And you're like, oh, man, I didn't think I'd ever see my pastor do that. Uh, but, you know, that was not accepted. But ch- check it out. Uh, they're still wearing a suit and tie, right? But they were considered very countercultural back at that time. Am I right? 
Those of you that were back there back that time, uh, you move into the 60s and the 70s, boy, the hippie generation happened, right? And you had Jimi Hendrix, you had Janis Joplin, uh, a lot of those. That was very counterculture. I mean, the church did not want the hippies coming in. Am I right? You got, you know, you got to get your life and your act together. That, that was kind of a mistake probably. Some churches monopolized on that and, and grew. And so, but that was very countercultural. Uh, now people would see it. People now dress up like that just to be fun. Oh yeah, I'm dressed like a hippie now. But that was so countercultural. Uh, moving into the 80s, uh, 90s, and even into 2000, you had Kiss. Oh man, when Kiss came out, that was the devil themselves, right? ACDC, uh, uh, the punk rockers, emo, whatever. What's, what, I don't even know what you call them all, right? That's going in even into the 2000s. That, they were just weird. You know what? They're a different subgroup. I remember in high school, I mean, we all had our groups, you know, but then you had those people, right? <laughs> they were the counter-cultural different people. And uh, today, 2023... Do you know what is becoming more and more countercultural is biblical Christianity. Being able to see the world through the eyes of Scripture, not through the eyes of culture. And a lot of people, even some churches today, uh, do not have a biblical worldview, right? They have a worldview that's based off of what our culture says. Oh, culture says this. So you see some of the mainline denominations that uh, churches that are splitting up because they've embraced culture rather than biblical views. And our world is okay if you call yourself a Christian as long as you agree with the culture, right? You can shift your ideas and your views as long as you say, oh, I'm good, you're good, we're all good, you're okay with that. But as moment you begin to take a biblical worldview and you see and you interpret things only through God's word, not through culture, then all of a sudden there's this rise of cancel culture that has happened. Am I right? And it's like, oh, what? You can't have that kind of view. Uh, there are countries now and even places in the United States that, that if you have biblical standards, that is considered hate speech. Right? There are people, oh, man, you know what? I have a personal conviction, and, you know, it's being fought back and forth in the legal system, but don't be surprised if the things that we believe in hang on uh, begin to get banned from our society. Right? Don't, be, don't be surprised by that. That's why I say now more than ever, we need to take up our positions as prayer warriors. We can't just like huddle in a corner somewhere and like, oh man, I hope this thing blows over. Right? Kind of like that storm last night. It's like we're all like, you know, shut the door, shut the windows, make sure, you know, we can't just hope that this thing passes. We have to rise up and, and, be, and understand what it means to stand in the gap. And in the church, I believe we can't just let a handful of people do all the praying and we all just, the rest of us just sit on the sideline. Oh, you know, and that's kind of true in every church. There's, there's always a small group of people that, that pray and the rest of us just kind of ride the coattails in on that. Prayer, really, that's why prayer is our survival kit. It's got to be in there. We've got to be. Let me say, in, in, our, in the world, how many of you know there are times that sin rises to a level that God does bring judgment? Amen. But how many of you know that's not his heart? Amen. God's desire is for mercy. That's always his desire. That's why he sent Jesus. Remember the woman that was caught in adultery and the, the religious leaders brought, him to Je- brought her to Jesus 
And they wanted to stone. They wanted Jesus to throw condemnation. What did he do? He showed mercy. That shows the heart of God. And, and I believe that God looks for those that want to intercede and pray because that's our role, right? He's looking for people that will stand in the gap. And if you think about the story that we showed out of Numbers where the plague is going, uh, the Scripture says God sent that plague. And we can kind of step back and say, well, you know what? God sent it. Just let it go. Let them learn a lesson and, uh, and pay for their rebellion. But again, that's not the heart of God. God doesn't want to bring judgment. I mean, as a parent, and I know we've probably all said that, when you had to discipline your kids... And I don't know if you ever use the phrase, hey, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to, or hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I got that backwards, right? <laughs> it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And kids never believe that, do they? But it's not our heart to have to discipline our kids. I've not really met a parent that's like, oh man, I can't wait to get home and whoop my kid. <laughs> right? That's not our heart. Our heart is to be merciful. God's heart is even bigger than ours. He wants to be, y'all are going to be hanging on to that one, right? But like I said, the circumstances in our world sometimes demand a response. But I want you to understand, God is looking for somebody that will stand in the gap and begin to pray. And so this whole idea that we talked about out of Revelation, that harp of worship, the bowl of incense and prayer, I really believe is a picture of the cry of our heart running into the middle of that battle between the living and the dead. Oh, God, have mercy on our country. Have mercy on my family. Have mercy. And, and we begin to intercede. And yes, sometimes we can offer these prayers that, that, that are much easier. You know, I can just pray for somebody. I can declare God's word. And yes, God does answer that. But there are prayers that we pray that actually cost us something. Right? Prayers that, that, that when we begin to get in there, begin to change the circumstances in our life and in our world. Those are prayers that cost. We see that in the book of 1 Samuel where uh, Hannah came to pray. And, uh, and I'm just going to give you uh, just a short bit of that. But uh, her husband's name was Elihu, and he had two wives. I said this in the first service. That was his first problem, right? Should have had one wife. Because, I mean... That's just going to cause friction, right? That's going to cause jealousy, and that's exactly uh, what happened. Uh, Hannah and Peniah, I'm, I'm going with that. Penny, let me just call her that. So uh, <laughs> she had children, but Hannah didn't. Uh, he actually loved Hannah more, provided more for her. So there was some resentment, like, like she's upset because, hey, listen, I'm the one that's giving you kids. And so, <clears throat> and the scripture actually says that God closed uh, Hannah's womb. And so she harassed her, made fun of her, got all over her like, oh, you know what? Yeah, you can't even have kids. And, uh, and so she was really upset. She was really bitter. She was really sad and heartbroken. And I'm sure for years was praying, God, let me have a son. Let me have a son. Let me have a son. It all built up to a point where she couldn't take it anymore. And in verse 10, it says this, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much, and she prayed to the Lord, and she kept on praying. How I many of you know, it wasn't just a single prayer. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you need to pray once and done, and then just trust God. If God gives you that peace, great, but if not, you got to keep on praying. You got to keep on knocking. You got to keep on seeking. Isn't that what the scripture says? And so she kept on praying to the Lord, and Eli, the priest who was where she was there, 
And uh, he observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. How many of you have ever been in that situation? You're just crying out to the Lord, I mean, in desperation. And uh, Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? I mean, think about it. He's at the temple, sees this woman just crying. I mean, she is a mess, right? If you are looking like, if you're saying, someone's looking at you like you're drunk, she was a mess. Probably snot running, you know, tears coming out, mouth is moving, no words are coming out. He's thinking, man, she has, you know, she's had way too much, right? (laughs) That wasn't the case, you know? She says, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. She's crying out to the Lord. And because of that that prayer, that, that way she came to God in complete brokenness, what, look at what happened. Verse 17, Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant what you have asked of him. And she did that. How many of you know, that was not a normal prayer. That was not a normal, that was a prayer of desperation. That was a prayer out of agreement. She was at that point where I don't care what I look like, I'm going to get into God's presence. I don't care what, here's the reality. If we're more concerned about our reputation, our dignity, and how we look in prayer, how many of you know we're never going to get into the presence of God like that? We got to have that desperation. Her prayer was outside of the norm, right? Sometimes we have to pray, not just our normal prayer of, oh God, I'm seeking after you. All of that is good, but there are times that we have to have a desperation like, God, I don't care what I look like, I'm getting into your presence. I'm pressing in no matter what it takes. I don't care what I look like. I don't care about my reputation at this point. I just got to get to you, Lord. I get to, I got, sometimes we got to put it out all on the line. Like, Lord, I am pressing in. And let me just say, this kind of a prayer that Hannah prayed, that's not your everyday kind of prayer, am I right? You're not going to do that every day because you're going to be too exhausted. Right, Because it's not just praying and declaring God's word. It's like whole body uh, workout going on there. Right, Everything is getting into it. And so as we start this time, this fast today, uh, we're, I believe that God is calling us to get into the presence of God. And, and here's one of the things that I want to say. When we do that, how many of you know, sometimes we carry the battle with us because it really is spiritual warfare. And, you know, sometimes you look a little beat up and a little worn out after times like that. Jesus said this in uh, Matthew 6, 17, 18. When you fast, he says, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done, what, what will he do? He will reward you, right? He's like, okay. Here's, the, here's what he's basically saying, two things. Number one, don't make a show of it. Oh, man, what's wrong with you? I've been fasting. I haven't eaten anything in 40 days. No, don't make a show of it. Don't try to put yourself out there and like, like, man, I'm such a servant of the king. Don't do that. But the other one is, like I said, sometimes our countenance carries the battle with us. If you've been in a battle, how many of you know sometimes you look like you've been in a battle? All right, you're just kind of like, oh man, you know, uh, this has been a rough one. This has been, and you're just kind of carrying that. And Jesus is like, no, 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 don't do that. 
Don't, you know, put oil, fix yourself up. How many of you know that scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength? When you go through a battle, when you go through interceding, when you go through fasting, uh, don't walk around and look like you've just been beaten up. (laughs) Walk through with the strength of God. So as we start today, this 21 days, I believe that God is calling us to times of intense prayer, right? Yes, there's going to be regular prayer, but there's going to be some times of intercession. And, and understand, fasting is not a way you get brownie points. God's not like, oh, man, they're doing really good, you know? I'm going to give them some... You don't get extra favor with God just because you do that. Fasting is simply because we're hungrier for the things that we can't see than the things that we can. Like, God, I want to see you move. Listen, I know I'm making it to heaven, all right? And you know, how many of you know Jesus? You know you're making it to heaven, but, but it's not just about that. I want to see more come, Amen. right? I want to see the kingdom expand. I want to see more souls enter into the kingdom of heaven this year. I don't want to be so concerned just about me and like, oh man, my, I'm good. My, uh, my family's good. My kids all love the Lord. Their spouses all love the Lord. I'm just going to ride this. I'm going to coast my way in. Right? No, it's like, Lord, we live in a county that needs you. Lord, help us begin to, to look past ourselves and say, Lord, we want a real revival. Yeah. Amen? We want a real revival. Not just the prayers of convenience. Uh, like I said, that is powerful. If you come up for prayer, how many of you know we're going to pray and we're going to declare God's word? And listen, God's going to answer that. Yeah. Right? I believe that God answers that. And, and I actually, last week we had somebody came up for prayer and prayed and has a testimony. So I asked Janet just to come and share uh, the testimony if you can. Colleen's got the microphone right here. So uh, I, I love a good testimony. Amen. How many of you like that? Amen. So let's welcome her as she comes up to share. So um, this is a little. Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I wanted to share last week. Um, well, actually, I've been dealing with neck and shoulder and back it's been actually before um thanksgiving and i'd been in a lot of pain and um and so last week when we were in service i was i really felt the holy spirit just tugging at me you know you need to go and and get some prayer you know i pray for people and and it seems like you know and i don't go ask for prayer and so um so i came up after after service and um and so Pastor and Robin and Anthony and Delton had prayed for me. And, um, and, and I felt the power of God go, go through me. And, uh, and I'm like, Lord, I, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm receiving, I'm going to receive all that you have for me. And, uh, and, and I started feeling a little better. And then I drove home and I said, man, you know, I'm s- still feeling a little better. And, um, and then, and then I just, you know, I was giving God the glory, praising him. And then the next day it's like, Ooh, I'm not feeling too good, you know? And I'm like, God, what is it? Why can't I receive a hundred percent healing? What is it? You know? And so, um, well, I received a word from the Lord. Because I want, I want to see God move in our life. I don't want just, I don't want just the crumbs. I want it all. Amen. And so I started praying, and I'm like, God, what, 
what is it going to take? What is it going to take for us to see the miracles, to see the healings, to see, to see you move in our church and our lives? And so this is, what I, this is what I heard God speak to us. God wants to pour out his spirit on all of us with signs and wonders and miracles, but we've compromised. Mm. We've allowed the little foxes to spoil the vine. Sweep the hidden rooms of your heart. Give it all to him. And then you will see his glory and his power and his Amen. answers to your prayers immediately. And so this morning I got up and last night I was still feeling some pain. And, but I'm like, you know, Lord, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to share because you did touch me. Amen. And this morning, I'm telling you, I, I would say 95% better. Amen. I mean, and so I just wanted to, to, during this fast, you know, really just, just those hidden areas, you know, the, the little things, the little things is what's on the vine. And so I Amen. just wanted to encourage us all. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. So. That, that is, a, and I didn't know she was going to share the rest of that, but that's awesome because, yes, we're going to pray over you, but I'll tell you, there's a portion of us that have to pray, press in too. Yeah. It's not just like, okay, God, I need this. No, we have to begin to press in and, and not let the little foxes, not like, oh, not be content with just where it is. And so there is prayer that we're going to pray. If you come up after service, we're going to have a time of prayer, and we believe God's going to bring some healing, Amen. But there, what I'm talking about today, it's a different level of prayer that actually costs you something. Actually, and I, I want to reference Nehemiah because his prayer actually cost him something. And if you look in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1, he gets a report. He asks some people, he's in Babylon, and he asks some people like that had just come back, hey, how are the people in uh, Jerusalem are doing? How are my people? And they said, well... The walls are torn down, and people are in great trouble, and they're very distressed. And, and he didn't. this was not his prayer. He didn't say, oh, wow, man, that's bad. I can't believe how horrible that is. Oh, God, help my people in Jerusalem. Help them get the wall built and help them uh, uh, just be safe. How many of you know that wasn't his prayer? It was a different level. Look what he says in Nehemiah 1.4. He goes, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. Right? And he goes, for some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed. We don't know how many days, but before the God of heaven. It was like, it was more than just like, oh man, that sounds bad. You know what? And, and I kind of felt bad this morning because my wife was messing with me because our power did not go out. And I said, oh, well, praise God. This was one of the first time other people lost power and we didn't. And it was like, wow, I'm so concerned about everybody else, right? <laughs> Such a heart of compassion that I have. And it's like, sometimes we can be that way. It's like, oh man, you know what? Well, I'm good, right? I'm good. Nehemiah was good. He was safe. He had a comfortable position in Babylon, probably a great place to live. But there was something about that that broke his heart. And he began to fast and began to seek for people he probably didn't even know. Probably didn't even have any relationship. And, and you see the difference in that kind of a prayer. 
Like I'm going to another level with this because I want to see change. And he, he, he well, left that position, traveled all the way to Jerusalem, uh, a lot of opposition, rebuilt the wall, but his prayer, his faith moved him to action, right? It cost him something. And yes, sometimes we pray, 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 uh, but how many of you know there's other times that we really pray? We really get in there and, and begin to see God do something. And listen, as a church, Pastor Colleen mentioned it earlier, every Thursday we spend time in prayer. We have Thursday night prayer. It's at 7 o'clock. Why do we pray? Because we want to see God do something. Amen. We want to see something happen. And, and what, as people, we want to position ourselves for those moments of breakthrough. Right? If you never position yourself, well, I think I have a little thing up here. If you never position yourself for those moments of breakthrough, guess what? You're not going to get it. And so, yes, we take a night out. We take Thursday. It's 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And, and we seek after God because there's something about praying alone that I believe is powerful. But how many of you know when you corporately pray together, there's just like an increase of God's power there? And you may be there, and you may just kind of drag in because you've had a rough day, but you hear somebody else's prayer, and all of a sudden that kind of sparks something on the inside of you, right? The Holy Spirit, like, 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 oh man, you know what? And you feel your faith beginning to rise, or somebody speaks a word. Whatever it is, what you're doing is positioning yourself. But if I never position myself, guess what? I'm never going to get the breakthrough. If I'm like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I don't need that. I, you know, I, I can't make it. I know everybody can't make it on Thursday night. I mean, I'm not, I know that. We're not here to guilt anybody, but I do want to challenge you as we're in this. Over the next three weeks, I want to challenge you. Can you try to make a special effort January 12th, 19th, and 26th and say, listen, I want to position myself over these next three weeks uh, to do that. Not just a simple, convenient prayer, but I want to get in. And, and I just really feel like this. Sometimes your breakthrough can simply be a step of obedience. God's waiting for you to take a step of obedience. Okay, step outside of your comfort zone, and that may be it. And I know I'm not going to, some of you may be saying, I'm not coming Thursday night. I don't like traveling. It's too dark. It's too late. I got kids. I got another thing to do. Can I tell you, when our kids were young, and they'll testify to it, if there was a prayer meeting, our kids were there, Amen. even if they didn't want to be. <laughs> right and uh, but you know what they grew up realizing that hey listen this is this is good yeah, yeah. this is powerful and uh you know you may oh, i got a big day the next day i understand all of that you know how many of you know we can offer a lot of excuses yeah. those that followed after jesus oh let me go back and bury my dead let me go back and do this and and, and we can offer all kinds of things. And again, not trying to guilt anybody to come for prayer. Let me just twist your arm, right? Uh, but I do want to challenge you. If you really want to see breakthrough, friends, it's going to cost you something. If you really want to see a breakthrough in your life, in your family, in our community, it's going to cost us something. And somewhere along the line, we've got to stop making excuses. Right? Somewhere along the line, we've got to stop putting everything before Jesus and begin to, put, begin to put Him first. And I just want to say that prayer is not convenient, is it? 
It really isn't. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, uh, reading the Bible, it's like, okay, let me read the Bible. Prayer is a little bit different. And if you think about the woman with the issue of blood, she had to press through the crowd, right? There was such a crowd around him that anybody ever been in a crowd and you had to press through? Like you're trying to get to your plane and like Christmas crowd is there and you're like, you know, having to run through. This woman had this issue of blood and she had to press through just to touch Jesus' garment. All right, she was willing to do that. Uh, The blind man on the side of the road that was yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, that looked a little foolish. Why was he doing that? He did it because he was desperate. Or what about the four men that are four, I don't know if it could have been men and women, who dug the hole in somebody else's roof in order to get their friend to Jesus, right? They put themselves in a financial situation by doing that, but they didn't care, you know? It wasn't convenient, but they did it. Or even the leper who dare break the law by approaching somebody that doesn't have leprosy. They got a miracle. They could have gone to leper gel, whatever that is, so... uh, The reality is there's a lot of us that we want the blessings of God, but we're not willing to pay the price. I don't know if I have that. Oh, prayer is not convenient. We want the blessings of God. We don't want to pay the cost. And and, and yes, we sing a song. How many of you know Jesus paid it all? All right? We say that. We declare that. He did. But there are some personal costs for us as well. We have to press in. That, That woman had to press through the crowd right? Those people had to dig through the roof. It's like, well, Jesus is healer. If he wants to heal me, then he'll just come by and he'll do it, right? If Jesus, you know, the woman with the, with the issue of blood, she could, well, if, if Jesus wants to heal me, then, then God make him come my way. Well, we have a personal cost to pay. How many of you know Jesus is not Santa Claus where you just drop off your wish list and then he comes down your chimney and gives you what you need? Right? We've got to actually get in there. I mean, let me just say this. In church, what good is a feel-good message at the end if you have nothing to show for it? Right. Oh, man, that was such a good message. That was so good. What about, I, I believe that when the church as a whole really gets back to paying the cost, that's when we're going to see real breakthrough. When we're like, oh, man, this is going to cost me. How many times have Christians quoted Second Chronicles 7.14? We know that one, right? We declare it. How many of you have quoted that before? My hands are up because I've done it numerous times. But look at it. If my people, how many of you know that's believers, that's those that are following God, not the world, but if his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Man, that's a lot of stuff right there. If I'll do all of that, then God says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let me ask this question. Who's really doing that? Right? We quote it all the time. Oh, God, you said this. This is what you say. But if I humble myself, that means that my agenda is still not number one. That means I put God first. That means I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not like, oh, God, you know what? When you fit my schedule, that's when I'll put you in. God, when I have time for you, uh, you know, sorry, can't have my devotion today, God, because, you know, I got this to do and I got that to do and all of these other things. Uh, Praying and seeking God. You know what? When studies say the majority of Christians don't even read their Bible on a daily basis, 
Again, not here to throw any condemnation or anything, but it's like, am I really seeking God if I'm not ever getting into God's presence? If I come in on Sunday, man, you know what? There's been a rough week. Pastor, I hope you got a good word for me because I haven't had time with the Lord since last Sunday. Right? Since, are we really seeking? Are we really turning from our wicked ways? I mean, can I be real here? Are you guys okay with that? Are people really praying and seeking God's face? And here's the thing. The average person in America right now in a Protestant church, if they come to church once out of every seven weeks, they consider themselves a regular attender. What is that saying about his people? If my people call by my name, if we claim that, but we aren't willing to pay the price, if his, how, I mean, here's the thing. If, if, if putting God first isn't even important in our life, why do we think anybody else is going to come? Why do we think anybody else is going to come? And again, please hear me. I'm not trying to throw guilt at anybody because it never works. may twist your arm for a few weeks, but uh, uh, I'm just wanting us to see that if we're willing to pay the price, there are great rewards. If we're willing to press in, God will do something in our life. And again, sometimes, sometimes you may pray, pray, pray about something, and then you feel like, man, God has given me a release. I know the answer's coming. That's a good thing. You know what? You may, your prayer may change from God, I need this, to Lord, I thank you that this is going to happen in my life I, or, or in my family or in my city because God gives you that peace. But there are other times, there's other times that you really need to press through. You got to keep knocking. Uh, it's going to require, and, and help. let me explain this as I go on, it's going to require violence from a biblical perspective. Not throwing rocks or anything like that. Let me explain. Violence in the kingdom, it is faith that is followed by activity. It causes us to actually do something. A verse that really confused me for many, many years, Matthew eleven twelve. Maybe you're with me on this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. I was like, I'm not supposed to watch violence. What is that all about, right? But, you know, too much violence in a movie gives it an R rating. What is he talking about here with uh, violence? And I love how the passion, because this is a very different, some things are hard to translate, you know, from Greek into English. And so it leaves people a little confused. But I like the way the passion actually does it. It says, uh, from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. How many of you know God's kingdom is growing at exponential rates? There are people giving their life to God every single day. There are new uh, churches that are starting every single day, you know, in, in our country, in our world. God, God's kingdom is expanding, amen? amen? But then he says this right here. He goes, and passionate people, that's translated as violent, like, man, I'm in this, right, have taken hold of its power. What are we talking about there? The kingdom, God's kingdom, didn't John the Baptist say, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? Yeah. Is near, right? It's here. When Jesus uh, began, the kingdom of heaven was at hand. It was already here. And what does that mean is that all of God's promises that you and I claim, we pray, we declare, we do all of that, all of that is here and available to us right now. All of it is. But guess what? Not everybody experiences the realities of what that entails. 
whether it be healing, whether it be a, a, a breakthrough in whatever area, the ones that access that, the violent, those that have passion, those are the ones that take hold of that power. Some people are very content with minimal. Oh, I'm going to heaven, praise God. Uh, but you know what? God has promised us so much more. There is power available, but not just for us idly thinking God's just going to drop it on us. We've got to pursue in, amen? That's what the, the, the four friends that dug through that roof, that pushed them through. Their activity. Violence is our activity based on our faith. Think about that. What I believe, what I truly believe that God's going to do, I'm going to actually pursue it. And so these four people that dug through that roof, they're like, okay, we're going to get him through. I believe that Jesus is going to heal them if we can just get him to Jesus. The, the woman with the issue of blood knew that if I can just press through this crowd, you know, if I can get Billy Joe and Frank out of the way, I'm going to get through and I'm going to get my healing. Right? So she might have done a little football, you know, like, like I'm ramming through this, right? I'm getting to Jesus. She had to press through. Or, or the blind man crying out. Or the people that come on a Thursday night prayer like, oh, man, that's so inconvenient. You know, I don't know. Uh, man, I believe that if we come, we're going to see it. Or even Janet coming up to the front altar. Those of you that have come up, why would you come up if you didn't expect a healing? Why would you come up? Listen, there are some, I, I know this to be a case. Sometimes we don't go up for prayer, not because we don't think God can do it, but just because we don't think that he will do it. I've been up there before, nothing happened. I've tried it before and didn't get it, nothing, you know. So what, what's going to be different? Man, we've got to become, let our faith become violent to where it requires action. God, I'm going to do this. Listen, I, I believe you can't, I don't believe you can take biblical action, do the things God says, and nothing happen something's going to happen. Listen, you can be busy and nothing happened. You can even be busy about religious things, right? Go to the potluck and all of that and nothing happened. But I don't believe that you can be passionately violent about God's kingdom and nothing happen. It's going to happen when you begin to get passionate about him. That woman, she got her, nothing was going to stop her from touching Jesus' him. All right? She didn't know what was going to happen. She believed that healing was going to happen, but she pressed through. Faith moves us into action. Uh, faith moved Nehemiah to approach the, the, the king and to make that trip, right? So my question for you today is, what is your faith moving you to do? Well, not a whole lot, you know. I'm just kind of hanging. I'm just, I'm just hoping just a few more weary days and then, Lord, I'll fly away. <laughs> right? To glory, Lord. Just help me make it through. I'm just a weary traveler. Here I am, just weary traveler, just making it through. God's called us to be victorious, to be an overcomer. He's given these promises for us, not just to read them and memorize them and quote them, but to actually move us into action. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, uh, so we, I, I want to see us begin to do that. We got 21, I mean, we got the rest of our life, however long it gives us, but we're really focusing that over this next 21 days. And, and listen, it's not about, you know what, I'm just not mature enough to do that. How many of you know getting into God's kingdom is nothing about maturity? Amen. No, because I believe that the faith of a child can move heaven. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. I believe the prayers of a child can move heaven. 
They have access. Let me, let me tell you, sometimes kids have more faith than we do. All right, they don't question it. They're like, oh, oh, Jesus heals? Okay, let's do that. All right, let's pray for that. And, and not the thought of, well, I did it before and this didn't work and it didn't happen this way. Listen, sometimes we have to step out of the things that are convenient in our life if we want to see God do something extraordinary. We got to get out of that. Uh, I want to challenge you to, to develop a holy stubbornness to not back off until you see breakthrough. All right? That's okay. Being stubborn, maybe not good, but it's like, you know what? I'm being stubborn with this God. You said it. I'm pushing through. Uh, They sing that song, uh, I Believe It. I can't remember the rest of it. Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) Uh, We need to press through. So there's an aspect of prayer. I want to wrap this up with Galatians chapter 4. This is uh, interesting. It says this, Paul saying this, but it is good to be zealous in a good thing, always, right? But not only when I'm present with you. Basically, Paul's saying, oh, yeah, you act all passionate when I'm there. What do you like when I'm not there? So not just then. And he's telling this church of Galatia, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Isn't that a strange thing for a man to say? Right? I labor in birth. I mean, uh, what, that, that's, you know, contrary to what our world tells us today, men do not have babies. Am I right? Uh, you, I, I will never labor in birth. I'm sorry. That's just not something I'm able to do. I'll never produce a kid. Uh, thankful for my wife in that aspect, but it's an odd thing. And, but Paul is saying, listen, I'm feeling these labor pains until Christ is formed in you. That's not just a convenient prayer. Oh, God, help him out. Help him grow spiritually. There was an actual literal uh, feeling of laboring that was going on. And I believe that's what leaders do right? We pray. Greater responsibility that God gives us, the greater the prayers. Amen? And it's not always the convenient ones. I can tell you, Colleen and I have carried the heaviness of prayer. Hers usually happens about three in the morning. I usually wait till morning. (laughs) You know, sorry, that's just how I am. People are like, man, I got, Lord woke me up at, uh, at three o'clock. I'm like, well, Lord woke me up at six. So, uh, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's like praying, right? Uh, and, and, and I can kind of explain it, but it's really challenging to do. You've you got to just get alone with God and begin to pray and intercede. Uh, in English, praying in your heavenly tongue. Uh, and let me just tell you, nobody really knows exactly what to say or do. I know there's a lot of books. Oh, this is how you intercede. This is how you do it. You just got to get alone with God and do business with God. Right? No, nobody has, you know, I don't care if you have the book, here's the three steps to get your breakthrough. Point one, point two, point three. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that's how God always worked? God doesn't do that, right? Because what our relationship with God, it's a journey. And God is saying, listen, just get in here. Get in here with me. Spend some time with me. Uh, listen, are you going to do things wrong? Of course you are. Are you going to say some dumb things before God? Anybody ever say something dumb before God? My hand's up. How many of you know God still loves us? I, I love this story. You know, the transfiguration when Peter, James, and John were on the mountain and, and, and they saw this transfigured Jesus. I don't know what that looked like. They saw Elijah and Moses. They didn't know what to do. They didn't even understand this thing. And, and I love the words that they said. This is good for us to be here. Shall we build three tents or shelters for you? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, what? 
You don't even understand this? Hello, is anybody home? McFly, what's going on? Jesus didn't do that. Even though they didn't understand the significance of that moment, Jesus did not ridicule them for not understanding that. So we just got to get, get with God, get your word, cry out to God, begin to speak with him, and God will lead us, amen? amen. God will take us. And listen, we just can't be content with just saying, well, I prayed about it. No, we need to pray and push until something happens, amen? Let me give you one more here. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, whatever his name is, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you. Look what it says. Always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Amen? So there's that word. One, some versions say wrestling, whatever, but the word itself literally means labor like a woman in labor. Right? There's that, that significance for that baby. And listen, I was with my wife when all three of our kids were born. And I just want to say she's my hero because I couldn't have done it. People have joked that if men had to have babies, then the human race would have ended. Right? We're like, nope. <laughs> Not doing that one right there. But, but uh, I remember her saying that after they were all born, you know, after the pain kind of subsided, and when you see the baby, right? Even though you know the pain, it was like it made it all worth it. It was all worth it. And uh, here's the reality. Laboring prayers, they're not glamorous, are they? You know, oh, Lord, you know, I can look really spiritual praying before the Lord. Uh, that kind of a prayer, you're a mess. All right? It's not, it's not really even anything you want to talk about afterwards. Oh, yeah, I was up there, man. The snot was flying and all that stuff. Boy, that was awesome. Look how spiritual they are. Uh, you don't want to talk about it. Uh, it's not glamorous. And, and it made me think of this story way back when our son Joshua was born. And uh, Colleen, this was the third one. Her labor was the, the least painful with him as opposed to the other two. Uh, but there was a lady that was down the hall, and she was screaming. I'm not even joking like she was in a horror movie. I thought Jason was chasing after her. It was like, and we were both kind of like, wow, you know, she, she's really going to town, you know, and uh, I mean, I think that was, must have been her first, but anyway, it was so intense. Uh, Joshua was born, and we were in the labor area, and I, we could overhear him talking to his wife, wow, man, you were really going at it, you were really screaming, and then I remember seeing him, I met him briefly at that time, he was really frazzled looking, and uh, you know, we went home, they went home. And uh, here we are several months later, I see, we, we were greeting at the church, and I saw them coming in with this baby the same age as Joshua. And I'm like, I remember him. And, and I found out, first of all, how not to greet people. Let me just say this, first of all. Uh, but I saw there, I'm like, oh, is this your first time here? Oh, yes, it is. I'm like, well, hey, was your baby born on July 26th? And they kind of like, wow, it's a prophet, right? No, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. The woman was like, yeah, how did you know? I said, oh, well, my wife was in labor. I remember you guys in, uh, when your baby was born because our son was born at the exact same time. And her white, her face just kind of like, he must have heard me screaming, you know? And uh, let me just say they never came back to church after that. She didn't want to talk about that, right? You don't want to talk. The, the point of that is it's not glamorous. You don't want to talk about it. But how many of you know, if I would have just talked about her baby, she would have been happy about that, right? 
And, and, and when we go through those times, we don't want to talk about the experience, but we do want to celebrate the breakthroughs. Amen. Amen. We want to celebrate that because always laboring fervently in your prayers. So the word in Galatians, like I said, in Colossians, it, it really could be described as your efforts in prayer. And I know we don't always talk about this or hardly ever talk about it, but there is efforts that take place when we're praying. Yes, we may pray. You know, when we prayed for Janet last week or others, it's like I prayed, you know, and, uh, and after it was over, believe in God for great things, and then went and had lunch, right? It's like, oh, I'm good. But laboring prayers, man, there's effort in it. You may be sweating, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it, there is a process. And let me give you this verse right here. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, what does the scripture say? Arm yourself with the same attitude. That means that you and I may suffer. Because he who has suffered in his body, look what it says, is done with sin. It's done with sin. And I think that there are people that still struggle with sin issues life issues, uh, habitual issues in their life because they've never really said a bold enough yes to God. Like, God, I'm done with this. And when you're going through that, let me tell you, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be difficulty. And, and, but I believe that it's in that difficulty and like, God, I am seriously getting in. I'm done with this. I'm ready to move forward. That there's this refining process to where sin begins to lose its grip on you. And the things that you were doing, you don't even want to do anymore. Man, I don't, I don't even want that. But let me just say, you've got to be willing to go through that process. Oh, God. I mean, I remember, I remember another story. A friend of ours, uh, she was telling it to uh, Colleen. She wanted a breakthrough. She didn't want to keep smoking. She wanted, and, and, and she was, the, well, it was a lady was telling her mom, you just let, Jesus will let you, uh, will deliver you from that. And, uh. She said, I woke up the next morning and I could see my mom's silhouette in the window. And the gal's name was Juanita. She's smoking a cigarette. She goes, Juanita, it didn't work. Right? There was no effort. It's like, I just thought miraculously God was just going to take all of that from me. No, there is a process. There is a suffering sometimes you and I got to go through in order to get to the other side and be free of that sin. Whatever that is, as Timothy's praying and worship team or prayers, if you guys can come up, I know my wife's in here, so you can pray. And uh, so we're going to have several people. I want to challenge you today. This 21 days, do something. You don't have to broadcast it. You don't have to come in. Oh man, I haven't had anything all week, right? But make a make a make a step. I want to say yes to. I want to be here for the next three weeks for sure, right? I know things happen. Sometimes work, whatever. But if you can, make it a priority. If you can, make it a priority. Come to Thursday. Like I said, you may have kids. Bring them because they need to learn what it means to pray. They need to learn what it means to get in to the presence of God. Uh, we have noon prayer for Tuesday through Friday. It's not really going to be led by anything. But if you, if you want to come, the sanctuary will be open. Uh, but say yes to fasting and prayer. Say yes to getting to God's word. And, uh, and, and begin to press through. I believe as we do that, that God's going to begin to bring breakthroughs. And listen, don't think breakthrough happens one time. Oh man, I came one time and it didn't happen. I remember hearing this illustration years ago where if there was a big concrete wall and you had a sledgehammer and your job was to break it down, let me tell you, you hit that thing the first time, nothing's going to happen, is it? 
All right? You hit it a second time, nothing's going to happen. But I want to tell you, something is happening. Because when that sledgehammer hits it, there's these tiny little cracks that you can't see that begin to form. Tiny little things begin to happen. And you take another swing, and you take, and all of a sudden, a little piece pops out. All right? You take it again, another piece begins to pop out. And you know what? You keep pressing in. You keep going for it. I want to tell you, eventually, that breakthrough is going to happen. But we got to get committed to it. It's not a one and done. Well, I came once. Lord, I came. No. Remember Nehemiah? He kept praying. Remember Hannah? She kept praying. Keep on. Keep on. Because God is going to bring breakthrough. Amen? Amen. We can't be content. Our world is crumbling quickly. We can't be content with just business as usual. We got to be people that are prayer and begin to seek. So I'm going to challenge you. If you're here today and you need prayer, maybe you're online and you need prayer, let us know because we want to pray with you. We will call you back. We'll text you. We'll do whatever. But if you're here, don't sit back and think, oh, you know what? Maybe next time. I've went before and I didn't get what I, what I want. Be persistent like that woman with the issue of blood. Get through the crowd. Get through the crowd. So Pastor Timothy's just going to just play and maybe lead us in something. But listen, if you need prayer, I want to encourage you to come up. Let's see God together. Let's see your victory. Amen. If today is just that first hit on the concrete, let it be that first. Let those fractures begin to happen. But you know what? Today may be the day it begins to crumble. Amen. Amen. So uh, can I have everybody stand? And if you need prayer, come on up. Amen.